Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Welcome to Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Stevie Kim. I'm filling in for uh, Monty. Um, I, I'm stealing away a session from him. Um, I am actually, I, we, I started Monty Italian Wine Podcast about three years ago. I would really like to take this uh, moment to thank all of the listeners out there. Uh, we have reached 250,000 uh, listens the past 12 months. Um, that is pretty amazing. I never thought when we started that we would be able to pull this off in a, such a highly specialized niche. So we are up to um, episode number 350-ish. And um, it's been a really a great ride, thanks to also Julia, when uh, Julia, of course, has abandoned ship as a producer. She's now in Holland, in a city where I cannot even pronounce, but she's now trying to become the rocket scientist that she had always wanted to become. Um, so we're still in touch with her because we need her help once in a while. Thank you, Julia, so much you know, if you're listening. And of course, now we have a new producer. He's a bit rigid. We call him the military man. He is Jacob on hand. So Jacob's sitting right next to me. And I also have Lan, um, who has helped get some questions ready for you, as well as Xiao Wen. So here today is a special episode. I am filling in for Monte because it, we want to talk about something um, very, very close to my heart. I used to go to China once a month. Uh, it hasn't been like this for a long time because now we have a uh, new uh, market person on hand, uh, Simone from China. But Natalie Wang, hi, I'm at Natalie Wang. How are you? Welcome. Hi, Ciao, Natalie. I'm good. How are you? Okay, sorry about the long preamble, but you know this is what happens when they give me a mic. Um, so it doesn't happen very often. Um, I met Natalie Wang when I think she was still running drinks business in Hong Kong. Um, she's of course a wine journalist. She's based in Hong Kong and she's worked for International Health Tribune, Reuters, uh, James Suckling, you name it, and anyone who's anyone in the wine business in China. Um, of course, Natalie Wang is a point person um, for the China's wine market. And she's um, of recent started a new website called uh, Vino Enjoy, right? Vino Joy News, yeah. Vino, Vino Joy. That's vino-joy.com. I really find this to be the go-to place for Chinese wine market right now. Why don't you tell us a little bit, a bit about your website? Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you for the lovely intro. Yeah, I um, indeed, I started my website last May. The idea of creating the website is really um, to fill the void, um, you know, to report um, on what's happening with China's wine market as everyone is paying attention to it. Everyone is saying it's going to be the second biggest market next year. Year. So naturally, there's a lot of interest, but unfortunately, in the market for a lot of foreign wineries, merchants, importers, there's not enough information on this part of market, on the key players, what's happening with the market, what are the latest trends. So that's really the original idea of creating the website to fill that void. 
That is really fantastic. Um, so anyone who's listening, um, please go check out Vino dash joy um, dot com. Um, if you can't find it um, easily, just do Natalie Wang and you will definitely see that. Go to her website. I highly recommend it. So you are um, originally from China. Is that correct? Yeah, I come from Chongqing in the uh, southwestern part of China, actually near uh, Chengdu, where we do the big wine fair. And right, uh, right. where I um, you know, studied my uh, master's degree in Hong Kong and uh, continue to work and live here till today. So you, you are what they call a Hong Konger or Hong Kongese. What, what's the difference? How do you say that? It's not. Um, I, I mean, I consider myself a Chinese. I, um, I haven't got a, a Hong Kong passport yet, so I don't think I can call myself a Hong Konger yet. <laughs> Right. Okay. Very good. But you're you're living in Hong Kong, right? You have been for the past few years, as long as I remember or since I've met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I have been living in Hong Kong since 2011, so it has been nine years already. Okay. So listen, let's get get to the market um, questions um, straight away. Let's dive into that. So. Um, you know, if you can get, kind of give us an overview, what are the key newsworthy insights you can share with our listeners regarding China's imported wine market, um, perhaps, you know, till now, the first half of the first semester of 2020, this crazy, crazy, crazy year, which wow. we kind of want to forget and have a new start, but... It is what it is, right? So indeed, I mean, I wish we can just cancel 2020 and move yeah, forward. Go back. We thought 19 was bad, right? I know we thought 19 was bad, and then here comes 2020. It completely disrupted everything. It has been very challenging for merchants, distributors, for sure, in China and in the rest of the world. We don't have the official data yet um, from China's customs um, the one import for the first um, six months of the year. But so far, they released the figure for the first four months of the year, and it's not very encouraging as we expected. Um, I think for um, wine imports in terms of volume and value, we see a decrease of roughly 30%, um, which is quite a significant job compared with the same period last year. In particular, in April, we saw the sharpest decline Um I think the main reason was because in late January, the pandemic already hit China and a lot of uh, cities and provinces across the country imposed strict lockdown. A lot of the shops were closed, restaurants, retails, and that affected the orders coming into China. Right. So um, we'll talk about that a little bit more specifically later on. Um, but, you know, I'm mildly obsessed with penfolds. Is penfold still the success story of China um, even today? Um, I think largely you can say Penfold is still um, quite a success story in China in terms of really localizing the brand and adapting to the Chinese market. I mean, the significant thing happened in China's wine market last year. Australia, for the first time, surpassed France to become China's biggest wine supplier. And TWE, as the country's biggest wine group. Um, well, TWE, um, can you just, what is that? It's Treasury Wine Estates for our listeners, right? T- 
T, uh, TWE's Treasury Wine Estates. Um, it's a parent company of Penfolds. And Penfolds, of course, it is the flagship brand for them and arguably the most powerful and most popular wine brand in China. And um, yeah, they're very successful with marketing, adapting to local market. But the uncertainty, of course, going into 2020 is the relations between China and Australia. As I reported for the website, you know, a few weeks ago, and uh, the Chinese ambassador to Australia threatened to um, sort of uh, um, sort of to cut wine imports and tourism to Australia. So we will see how that goes, whether that will play um, an impact on Australian wine imports to China. But we'll see. What, 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 I'm sorry, I completely missed that story. What was the story with that? Basically, it was, um, I think, in late um, April or something like that. I have to check the time. But um, the Chinese ambassador to Australia um, said in response to Australia's initiative to conduct an independent inquiry to um, inquiry into coronavirus origin and spread. Right. China- oh, OK. So it's, it's, it had to do with um, COVID. Yeah, it has to do with COVID and China's side came out strongly protesting it, saying, well, if you do this, it's all political. We might have to rethink about wine imports, beef imports, uh, soybean imports, whatever. So we'll see how that uh, will play out. But fingers crossed, I hope um, leaders from both sides can see reason and rationality will prevail. (laughs) But we'll see. Um, you know, but, you know, I think most of our um, listeners, I'm not sure they know, but Australia is the number one importer for China because um, within that 90% of Australia wine, Australian wine in China is in fact 99.0. Crazy amount of uh, a wine is actually Penfolds. Is that still the case? Yeah, I think that's still the case. If you combine the official data and the parallel traders, you know, trading uh, traded wines, Penfolds come into the market. Yeah, so that's a little bit, um, I think, misleading in 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 a way when we talk about Australia. Any any anyway. So uh, anyway, going forward, um, these specific months during COVID, um, so Australia, France, Chile. Italy included, who, which is a little, you know, I'm partial to, have they adapted to the, to the COVID situation in terms of the um, China's wine market? Have they done anything to minimize the damage? Have they taken any preventative measure or proactive actions um, for for the current situation? Uh, from my point of view, when I see the reactions from those countries, mostly I see a more um, co- coherent response from, you know, wine trade associations, for instance, like Wine Australia, Wines of Chile or CIVB. I think from the onset of the pandemic, I see more efforts coming from Australia, for instance. Um, Early on, they announced they were going to postpone a lot of the wine tastings, a lot of the wine events and roadshows planned for mainland China and also, I think it was late in late February, they already announced they're going to withdraw from Venexpo. 
Um, so they acted pretty fast. Um, yeah, definitely. And then they teamed up um, with um, Y educators, influencers to do um, online streaming, online talk, online education course. So I think that's something a lot of uh, wine trade associations like Wines of Chile, Wine Australia, um, CIVB for Bordeaux and certainly even Italy have been doing during the COVID to adapt the changing situation. So let's uh, dive a little bit into um, social media, online e-commerce in China. First of all, your uh, website, Vino Joy, why is it called Vino Joy? Vino, I think it was a great idea, of course. (laughs) <laughs> but joy is really just, you know, um, we thought, you know, wine is something that brings happiness to people. So that's something we want to emphasize. And for selfish purpose, um, my Chinese name, uh, my Chinese um, name also means happiness. So I thought, you know, throw that in there. It's really lazy. <laughs> great, great. I think it's, it's, I think it's great. Except the dash. You know, I'm I'm unhappy about the dash, I, but I guess Vino Joe wasn't available. It wasn't available. Someone already took it. Yeah, I hate the dash and the you know the 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 underscore and all of that stuff. But that's just my pet peeve, you know. Um, so your website is actually in English. How do you communicate with the Chinese? Do you have another platform for that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With our readers in China, um, we do postings through WeChat, which is a all-in-one um, messaging app uh, launched by Tencent, its parent company. Actually, it's more than a messaging app. It's social media, messaging, WePayment, everything, shopping, e-commerce. Whatever you can think of, you can find it through WeChat. You know, when I first came to China um, and I convinced, like, you know, uh, my team, first of all, it's, it's, it's a bit odd, but in, in my office, you know, we're in Italy, but our main form of, we don't use Slack. I mean, Slack is something very recent. We used actually WeChat, right? So people think it's crazy. And when I first learned about WeChat, um, I, I think it was about, I maybe like eight years ago. Wow, that's I, when it first came out, I was one of the first users, and um, I tried convincing. Um, I recall this very distinctively. I was trying to convince um, um, Sicilian wine producers <laughs> that they have to be on WeChat if you want to sell wine in China, right? Successful. And yeah, and it was that I and I convinced them by saying like, if you shake, you know that shake feature. Uh-uh. You can find anybody, you know, you're interested in perhaps dating right right near you. <laughs> so that, that was kind of a trick that I used to get people on WeChat. Of course, now it's much more um, diffused. And luckily, um, you know, the Italian wines, uh, wine producers are also on that. Listen, talking about WeChat, can you just give us a super, super skinny um, dummy guide to social media in, chi- in China? WeChat, Weibo. TikTok. We've just started a um, TikTok um, account. We're a bit obsessed with it because they don't like us very much. I think we're too old, you know. And wine, definitely. There's nothing on wine actually. So I'm, 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 I'm still confused what Penfolds did exactly to get the success. 
I think early on, it was uh, seven years ago, they already hired an agency to work on the, um, the WeChat. Um, so they started the subscription account way earlier. And then right. I'm already, you know, Pinfoods is quite popular. It has recognition. It has popularity in China. So naturally, and um, attracted a lot of followers. The thing they did very well is the market penetration. They have so many distribution channels. I mean, uh, the chances of someone knowing the brand Penfolds um, compared to someone knowing maybe a Sicilian wine brand is much, much higher. And also the name of Chinese transliteration is very auspicious. Uh, auspicious. Um, it's a literal translation is chasing prosperity. And for a lot of Chinese, they absolutely think it's um, you know, lucky. <laughs> so that quickly um, caught on. Yeah, but then once again, back to China's social media, I mean, we have WeChat. Uh, that's the main app people are using nowadays. and it's- So that is like the go-to um, yeah. Go to app, right? Absolutely. I mean, can you just give us a small like functionality of WeChat? I guess Line can do that too. But for those who are unfamiliar, why is WeChat important um, to communicate with the Chinese market? Yeah, for sure. Like, think about it. China is a country with 1.4 billion people, right? And WeChat alone has roughly 1.15 billion monthly active users. So just look at the penetration and its coverage in the market. For sure, it's the most used app in China. And it's a super app that has the feature of messaging, for instance, you know, like WhatsApp. And also it has the feature of social media. So think about combining WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, um, Amazon, PayPal, even Tinder into WeChat, you know, like the shake feature that you mentioned as well. So, and also, you know, it has, and the app hailing, um, taxi hailing too. So if you want to, you know, hail a cab or anything, you can do that through WeChat as well. Buy, you know, box office tickets, anything imaginable, you can do it through WeChat. It has become this massive ecosystem for a lot of, you know, features um, on social media. Yeah. I mean, I remember um, Alibaba came up with their um, competitive, um, uh, you yeah. know, platform. It didn't work. And it, it never worked, right? Because why didn't it work, in your opinion? I think at the beginning it was because a lot of people were using quite, what Alibaba was trying to do is they want to roll out like a messaging app, but primarily those messaging apps are used by online shoppers. So it never really branched out into those non-online shoppers, if you know what I mean. And then Tencent already, already before WeChat, they had QQ, that's another messaging app. So for a QQ user to transition into using WeChat, that was sort of like relatively easier because it's under the same umbrella. Yeah, I mean, I just I would recommend that, um, you know, I think it's um, common um, public domain now that if you want to do business in China, you cannot afford not to have WeChat. Um, And I, I think everybody knows now that unless you have VPN, you know, Facebook, you know, Western social media are are um, banned in China, so you can't open your Facebook or Instagram and 
often also Google, um, I, I don't I don't know people uh, realize that. So there is a natural barrier, whether you like it or not. And I think you um, it is it is absolutely important that people understand that if they want to, um, you know, have business in China. And this is what I tell uh, my Italian wine producers. Listen, um, Natalie, listen, we're going to break away uh, right now. Um, and then maybe we can continue the conversation um, in a little bit because it's already about 20 minutes into the conversation. So I want to break this up maybe into two parts. We'll come back and we'll talk about the KOLs. What is KOL e-commerce and um, maybe a little bit about, you know, your um, crystal ball reading um, predictions <laughs> for the future. Yeah, no, okay. Yeah, no problem. So stay tuned, everybody. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.